Hi, I'm Jane Austere, and this is Doing It By The Book. Hey, this podcast is going to contain some mature and explicit content. If you're under 18, you'd better stop listening and go ask your parents. Hi, I'm Jane, and I'm here with Virginia Shepard. Virginia, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi. Um, I am a romance novel enthusiast, and that's... That's who you are. That's so who I am. <laughs> she is my first guest host, so I thank you so much for being my first guest host on the show. No and problem. Helping me discuss things. Um, so our first, we did our first chapter on Thursday night. I read our first chapter, and we're going to be discussing a little bit of that. But first, before we get into that, I've got a couple of book news, interesting things that are happening in the yes. book world recently that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Virginia with. So the first thing um, actually came from Slate.com, and you may have seen it floating around the internet. It is a article about YA shaming, essentially. It is um, why adults should be embarrassed to read children's literature. And why should adults be embarrassed to read children's literature? Essentially what Ruth Graham, the author of this article, is trying to say is that it's um, a lower end reading, it doesn't have the depth that adult literature has, and it is, um, you know, geared for young adults. Why would you want to stay in the world of young adults if you're continuing to read, um, you know, be continuing to be a reader? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I completely disagree with it. I agree too. I... I prefer to read young adult books most of the time. I think they're really well written and there's there's less complicated material to it because it's geared to- towards younger people, but it's or also Or going through complicated things. Yes. Right? But it's also, I mean it's really deep and and intuitive and it just makes a lot of sense and I think it could be, you know, some of the better written I would even say I would even say that there's a lot of young adult literature that is actually more that is better Definitely. written than some adult books. Oh yeah, um, namely the book that we're reading on this podcast. Yes, um, that's a segue for you. Yeah, almost. But anyway, this it was very frustrating because um, she had mentioned the Fault in Our Stars because that's a huge movie that just came out uh, yeah. last weekend. So, I think that's where it stemmed from. But it's such a good, I mean, yes. every every young adult novel has its place, but I think that there's so much more to the world of YA than, there, than people give it credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's even young adult books that are about, you know, coming out and young adult books about being transgendered now. There's books that are for everything that even adults today are struggling with. Yes. And I think that people who are, you know, anywhere near struggling with those issues or have gone through that should be reading those books. I agree. I agree completely. And the reason why I bring this article up is because, um, there's a lot of shaming going on in YA, the YA genre, mm-hmm. and romance is another genre that is also that also shames a lot of people, or people are embarrassed to read yes. romance novels. And Virginia, why shouldn't people be embarrassed to read romance novels? Well, I mean, I can't lie. 
it's, I consider romance novels my guilty pleasure. Like, I don't advertise that I'm reading them. And I think that it's just that so many people see it as, like, trashy reads or, you know, the the beach books, the porn books that you throw away after you're done reading them. But um, it's just, I don't think that we should be ashamed, especially as most of the people out there are, are women who are reading them. Mm-hmm. Most of them are not, you know, younger kids, so we can't say it's inappropriate. We're adults. We can yeah. read them. Yeah. And we shouldn't be embarrassed. We shouldn't be embarrassed about it. I agree. I don't think that anyone should be embarrassed about anything that they engage in. I mean, there are grown people out there who watch My Little Pony. Yeah. are unembarrassed about that. And I think that nobody should have should have or is given the power to put down anyone for engaging in something that they enjoy mm-hmm. you know whether it be uh young adult literature or romance novels or kid mm-hmm. shows you know i mean all of them have value to the person who is watching or reading them and you know yes so i mean for me i don't think i agree that i don't think people should be embarrassed to read romance novels no, i think it's just shouldn't. something that people like to do and people like to read and if you like it do it yeah. don't be embarrassed about it it might not be the best literature that you've ever read but that doesn't mean it doesn't have value cuz if you as a reader if you enjoy something that's all that matters yeah. it doesn't matter if it's like perfectly written it doesn't matter if it's Flawless literature, like, we don't need to discuss it in English classes throughout the world, but, you know, let's just, let's just read books and enjoy it. That's what we should be doing. I think what a lot of people, um, and when I say a lot of people, I mean the literary minds out there. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this in my introduction podcast. There are literary minds out there that think that, oh, well, it's fluff literature, so therefore it doesn't have any value or, um any reason to better, better society. And Mm -hmm. so I think what the biggest thing that comes down to is people being snotty or being people being book snobs. Um, and that's just stupid. I agree. I agree. It is. It's really because, you know, when you think about literature, there are a lot of, there's a lot of literature out there that doesn't benefit society. Exactly. Um, you know, there's the Edgar Allan Poe, for example, wrote about death and murder and sad things mm-hmm. and the macabre. And does that make people better? No, probably not. But it definitely makes people enjoy something mm-hmm. like that. People who enjoy that can read it and have the opportunity to yes. engage in that. And that's, I mean, ultimately... Books are written for enjoyment first. Yes. And then to be, you know, like maybe you're trying to go out and write the world's next best, you know, literary masterpiece. But most authors just want people to read it and enjoy it. And if and if you're enjoying it, then you're doing what the author wants you to do. Mm-hmm. So. I think yeah. it's, I think, I really wish this discussion would stop happening on the internet. It's unfortunate that it has to continue. Yeah. Because. There shouldn't be any reason for people to continue to feel embarrassed about anything that they're reading or, or to shame people for to, reading something exactly. that they think is and not just reading just in general mm-hmm. you shouldn't be shaming or or feeling ashamed for doing anything as long as you're not hurting anyone else or you know right there's there's no reason there's just that's it's just kind of redundant I agree. 
Let's um, move on to the next piece of interesting news, and this actually segues nicely into our discussion of Fifty Shades of Grey. Recently, Cambridge Law students were given a question on Fifty Shades of Grey. Really? Yes, and I'm pulling up the article right now. All right, so uh, the question was something that went as follows. Cambridge Blue, it's a Fifty Shades of Grey law exam. Cambridge law students would have been better off ditching their legal textbooks in favor of an erotica in preparation for their finals this week. Um, The question read something like this. Christian, a 15-year-old who looked older, was determined to lose his virginity and decided to go to Notorious Club XXX. He was approached by Anastasia, who was 22 and very drunk, and who, lifting up her top, asked him to pour hot candle wax onto her naked breasts. This he did. Anastasia kissed Christian passionately, but then went home. Essentially, the question, the, I, after all of this erotic uh, writing, the question finally asked, um, aside from an offense against good taste, presumably um, copyright th- theft, what offenses, if any, had been committed? So... I guess what the question is asking about the the movie that is coming out, if the writer of this erotic fan fiction had inco- infringed on copyright, that sort of thing. But I don't know what I think about this. This is weird, right? Yeah. It's a little weird. I don't know how I would feel if I were in a classroom reading that. That might be a little bit... Strange. Very strange. Very strange. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's a law, it's a law class, so, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's a law class. So they would have to, I'm sure they use real life situations on their exams frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're, you know, given scenarios, but that's not a scenario that I necessarily would have put on a question. On, yes. So I don't know. It seems really strange. I think what the question, what it was trying to do was try to be relevant because mm-hmm. the movie is coming out very soon. Yeah. I don't know the date yet. I, that's probably something that I should look up. Um, but the date, the movie is coming out really soon. The There's like a movie website now that you can go to. It's called uh, Gray Enterprises Holdings Incorporated, which is the name of Christian Gray's yes. corporation, which is very long. I'm going to talk about that today. A uh, very long name for a company, first of all. <laughs> but there's a website that's up. The movie is coming out. So maybe the test question was trying to be... And perhaps they talked, maybe they talked about it. In the class. In class, and discussed the characters and all that. But, and being relevant, you know, not everybody is going to understand that comparison. Right. Like, I wouldn't necessarily, if I was in law school preparing for a test, and yes, maybe some of the people in the class have already read the book, but I wouldn't. You know, I don't usually have a lot of time when I'm studying and and doing a lot of things to read books for in, for entertainment, right. especially so, law school. That seems yes, like it would be very intense. Yes, and so I don't know if if a lot of people in the class would have even had enough, you know, spare time to sit around and read a a novel like Fifty Shades of Grey, um, and unless it was required reading for the course, which I doubt. Uh, I don't think that it should right. be. <laughs> well, I think 
I don't know. And this is because I've never been to law school. I don't know what what yes, lawyers' me, lives are me like. Me either. Um, but I imagine that as a lawyer, especially if you're going to go into copyright uh, legal mm-hmm. matters, you would have to be a little bit up on the pop culture. Yeah. Because that, that's, I guess, what happens a lot in, you know, copyright infringement mm-hmm. suits. Um, you have to know what's going on in the pop culture. But this doesn't really, I mean, I don't know. It just yeah. seems a little crazy kooky. Maybe some, maybe the, the professor of the class was, I don't know. I'm not going to make assumptions about them. But... Weird. Very weird. Very strange. I agree. So, interesting piece of news about yeah. the book that we're reading <laughs> in this podcast today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just to segue back into Fifty Shades of Grey, I've got some rumors that I, I made sure to research so we didn't get them wrong. I didn't want to mm-hmm. misspeak and, you know, get Good, blamed. because I've heard a lot of different rumors surrounding Fifty Shades of Grey, right. but I didn't know exactly which ones were accurate. Right, because the internet can say anything. Yeah. And it can be you true You never really know. Well, the truth is that Fifty Shades of Grey was Twilight fan fiction. That is true. Okay. It was a fan fiction written by E.L. James, also known as Snow Queen. Uh, yes. Yes. And yes. that was her pen name on the internet. And she wrote a Twilight fan fiction called Master of the Universe with the characters from Twilight, Bella and Edward. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, uh, you know, release them in episodes that or chapters that they do in fan fiction websites. And was going to write Master of the Universe 2 when she decided or was approached or in some way mm-hmm. uh, was asked to do Fifty Shades of Grey. And she changed the names of the characters um, I guess changed a little for bit of the copyright infringement purposes. right <laughs> for copyright purposes. Um, and I guess she, I guess she would, I would imagine she would have to change a little bit more of the characteristics of the characters as yes. well. And probably because Christian is definitely not a vampire or at least <laughs> I really hope in the, in the mytho- the mythological sense. <laughs> so I imagine she would have had to change a couple. Of yeah. I'm sure she, she seriously edited it. Before I hope so. Read. That's what we would think. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing that I found while researching this is that uh, the uh, Sylvia Day novel, Bared to You, yes. came out at a similar time frame as Fifty Shades of Grey, and there have been many an argument on uh, forums about James, E.L. James, that is, versus Sylvia Day. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know about our listeners or about you, but when I go to my local bookstore, it's yes. Books A Million. We live in a small town. Uh, Books A Million. It's on, there's a table, there's a sign. It says After Fifty Shades of Grey, and there's Sylvia Day's series. Yes. Um, so I, I had always assumed that Bared to You had come out after Fifty Shades and mm-hmm. was kind of like a ripoff. But apparently, it's not. It was written first. Or it, the idea or, came about yes. at a similar time, and so the books huh. were actually published very closely together. That's interesting. So, yeah. Um, I always think it's really interesting when two books that are similar, like when one takes off mm-hmm. and then one does not. Like, yeah. I think that's interesting to see, like, why, what's the What's the algorithm yeah. that has to be yeah. made? I haven't Why read Sylvia Day's book, so I don't know how much better yeah. or worse it is than how similar even yeah, like the the characters the characters are. From what I can tell um, on the websites, is 
that uh, the characters are very similar. There's the main, obviously, I mean, there's the main guy, there's Christian and Gideon Cross. And they are both, you know, essentially billionaires. Um, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, quote unquote, fucked up is there. Yes. I'm putting an explicit thing on this. That... Yeah, that's the term that they're given. And the female is Anastasia Steele versus Eva Tremell. Mm-hmm. They're both um, young women shortly out of college. Um, they're, they're a little bit more distinct in their backgrounds, but um, it seems that they are uh, pretty similar as mm-hmm. far as their um, we characteristics. I, it would be very interesting be to very, read and compare. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm thinking that might be something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Seeing their relationships are also pretty similar. They're, they're, um, you know, they've got Christian Asia versus Jiva, which is their combined names. Um, Jiva just rolls off the tongue a little bit. (laughs) Um, I will say that what this article from renegadechicks.com says is that uh, Christian and Anna are overtly reliant on each other to live and unhealthy, healthily lose their independence. Gideon and Eva confront their issues a little bit more straightforwardly, and that is definitely something I've noticed while reading this book. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the Sylvia Day, obviously, mm-hmm. but Christian and Anna do They're, seem to have a lot less communicate, have a lot more communication problems yes. and a lot less healthy relationship. I will, I will agree with you on that one. <laughs> so that's a good segue then into mm-hmm. our first discussion of the first chapter. Yes. Um, we are introduced to Anna Stasia, who is our main character mm-hmm. and the book is written from her point of view. It's written in first person. Yes. Which is always strange for me. I always, I find it very difficult to get into a first person I agree. Novel. I agree with that. Um, for me, it's mainly the, the information that the main character gets seems a little more unrealistic. Yes. You know, because it's like, you know, how do we know that this is what he really said or mm-hmm. what really happened and, you know, did he say it in that way, you know, sort yes. of thing. Because people take words differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the other character that we're introduced to is Catherine Cavanaugh and she is Anna's roommate. Yes. Very strawberry, almost the exact opposite of Anna. She's outgoing, strawberry blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're imagining that she's kind of like the, the buxom blonde. Yes. So they're two different people, but yeah. they get along apparently. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then there is, we are introduced to Christian Gray, who is the CEO, I'm sorry, the enigmatic CEO of Gray Enterprises Holdings, Inc. And that's just a mouthful. Yeah, it is. And you will have no idea how many times I've read that sentence, CEO of Gray Enterprises Holdings, Inc. I've read it at least a million times. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a mouthful. I wish I could shorten it. I'm sure there's a way to shorten it. But I'm sure. I, it's It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible. And the first thing I want to talk about is the um, the familiar characteristics that we have with Anna and Christian. Mm-hmm. You've read a lot of romance novels. I have. I, I, I have. Yeah. So you know the idea of a romance novel, the main female character. She can typically have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. She doesn't think too highly of herself, but she seems independent, Yes. And when she meets the male character, they have 
a little bit of a confrontation. It's not necessarily love at first sight. It mm-hmm. might be a confrontation of some sort. Um, and there are characteristics of Anna that fit that. I mean, what would you say? I, I think so. I think, I mean, like, she seems to be putting herself down and, like, just kind of doesn't think very highly of herself in any regard. Um, at least from the first chapter, I, I gathered that. Mm-hmm. But when she, you know, when she goes in and she's nervous and she's, like, fidgeting and doesn't know what to do, um, I mean, she just seems very self-conscious. Right. And I think that you get that characteristic from Bella from Twilight. Yeah, Because it's the the exact same thing that Bella feels. She feels self-conscious. She's painted this picture of the every girl, Uh the brown hair, blue eyes, or brown hair, brown eyes. Um, And that's a a trope that you get with any romance novels, Uh is the every girl that can fit, you know, and she's not the perfect lady. She's not a model um, Mm -hmm. person, but she is the every girl, and you're supposed to feel uh, sympathetic or empathetic with her but yes. as the reader. You're supposed to relate to her. Um, I will say from, I mean, if we're comparing this to Twilight, it does a good job of emulating the character, mm-hmm. the characters of Twilight, because you have that, like, kind of soft-spoken, doesn't really know what to do, like that girl that just kind of is just very self-conscious and not sure of herself. And then you have the confident man. And that is the perfect, you know, romance novel trope that if we could just, you know, plug this, these features into this person and Mm -hmm. these features in there, then it would just make a a romance novel. Right. (sighs) So, Bringing up Christian Grey, yes. uh, you brought in the male, the male love interest. He is supposed to be uh, the model, handsome, you know, like beautiful in her mm-hmm. eyes. Um, he is stoic and he's a manly man. You know, he exudes power essentially. And typically in historical romance novels, he's uh, he has some sort of regency. He has he has a royal title, mm-hmm. like as an earl or a prince or whatever. Um, and even in some Western romances, he's the outlaw or he's the sheriff. He has some sort of power yes. figure. Um, and you get that those characteristics from Anna and Christian. Mm-hmm. However, there are some inconsistencies that we can see in this first chapter. Um, yeah. it's, it's a little difficult because when, they're, when the characters are first introduced... Um, Especially Mr. Gray, uh, when he talks to um, people who are not Anna, he's almost mean. Yes. You know? and He's it, very aggressive. And, I mean, it's like a business. He's a business guy. He's a CEO. He's important. But he seems very, like, almost too aggressive. Type A personality. For that type of person. Right. And... It's sort of like this very strange, like, break of character because he's in this very professional situation in which he's being interviewed, Mm -hmm. right, by a college student, and he's so overtly sexual. Yeah. 
And the weird thing about it is that Anna doesn't get it. No. She's so clueless. She's just like, oh, okay. Like, what is he talking about? What does that mean? There, I, I underline yeah. a point when she says, um, like, she's thinking in her mind, um, uh, that's, that's such a weird thing for him to say. I wonder what he means by that. Um, I, man, I just had it. It's so weird. But like, he says to her, I like to be in control of things. I like to be in control. And she says, wow, that seems kind of weird. I wonder what he means by that. And it's like, really? Really? It's, I mean, it's pretty clear. Yes. And it's like, um, he means by that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty obvious what he's trying to say. All right. So she's interviewing him and he says to her, uh, I don't subscribe to luck or chance, Miss Steele. The harder I work, the more luck I seem to have. It really is all about having the right people on your team and directing their energies accordingly. I think it was Harvey Firestone who said the growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. Which sounds normal, coming from a business person. He's quoting another business person. And then all of a sudden, Anna says, you sound like a control freak. The words are out of my mouth before I can stop them. Which is such a stupid thing to say. Right. I, mean, I know we all say stupid things sometimes. But here's the thing. Anna is a college student who is about to graduate from being an English major. And I don't know if any of our listeners are English majors, but when you're an English major... It's not just literature, but it's speaking. Also, you learn how to present yourself and to speak. And Anna has lost that ability. She does not know how to present herself or speak. And I think that that's her downfall. Um, and then he says to her, oh, I exercise control in all things, Miss Steele. He says, without a trace of humor in his smile. And then she says, my heartbeat quickens and my face flushes again. Why does he have a, such an unnerving effect on me? His overwhelming good looks, maybe? The way his eyes blaze at me? The way he strokes his index finger against his lower lip? I wish he'd stop doing that. And it's like, really, Anna? Really? <laughs> like, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, she's 22 years old, first of all. Let's take this into account. She's supposed to be this innocent girl, right? Yes. 22 years old. Is finishing college. Mm-hmm. And is finishing as an English major. Right, so she reads a lot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And one of her favorite books is Tess of the D'Urbervilles, which has an infamous rape scene yes. in it. Now, if you met that person in real life, what would you think of them? What would you, what would you think that they would be knowledgeable about? I mean, this is the thing, is that, okay, if you're an English person, like if you are an English major, or if you enjoy literature, you have encountered sex in literature. You have. Yes. Because, I mean, I was not an English major, but I read a lot of books. I was a book enthusiast, and I encountered lots of books that had sex in them. Right. do. And so you understand, and you can see different characters and different... Um, types of people in books that, you know, have those qualities. Exactly. Here's what I will say is that the thing is I was in Anna's position. I was 22 and I had graduated college and I hadn't lost my virginity yet. I was still a virgin. Going to go all out truthfulness on here. Yes. But I knew 
Mm-hmm. I knew, and I went on a date with a person, and we had discussed things, and I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Because I was, I had read a lot of books exactly. in which these things happened. So, I mean... I just don't understand how someone who is who is going to have a college degree in like mm-hmm. two short months doesn't understand yeah you the nuances of these conversations mm-hmm. because even if you're in that situation where you're just interviewing somebody if they say weird things like that to you you would be like I'm creeped out now I want to leave and never come back and see this person again exactly or I or, want to jump his bones yeah right this very minute. There, yeah, there are the two options. There are the, I mean, you you either have sex or you walk away from the situation because it's weird. Yeah, because you're creeped out. Like, that's not, you don't just, you're not just like, I don't understand. That seems weird. No. He's hitting on you. Right. So I, I have a little bit of difficulty sympathizing and liking Anna because she is so ridiculously clueless. I agree. I completely agree. And, and this is not just with this book. This is, this is a lot of romance novels there. I feel like there are two types of romance novels. There are the romance novels that are actual, like they have storylines and they have things going on in them and they have strong characters and they just happen to have an undertone of romance. And that's like, and there's some really steamy scenes in them, mm-hmm. and those are great. And then there's the other type that it's like, it's all about the romance, it's all about the relationship, it's all about the characters' issues and the characters, like, trying to figure out who they are, but it's not really about the characters. Right. And that's how I feel like this book falls in. It's not about the characters, it's about how the characters are trying to figure out who they are, but they're really not even doing that in the best way possible. Yes, I would agree with that. And no, that's, I mean, that's a very great point. I would say that it frustrates me when looking up this book is that it's often labeled as erotica. It's I mean, we just read an, no, we just read an article which labeled it as an erotic novel. And it's not. It's not. And here's why. Romance novels have sex scenes. Mm-hmm. This is a romance novel that has sex scenes. Exactly. And erotica, erotica is sex. Is straight up sex. It is just a, it is a written, like, description Porno. of sex. You can look up erotica on the internet and it will not be Fifty Shades of Grey. No. I'll tell you that. And I mean, often when, I mean, because I've read quite a few erotica short stories, not necessarily mm-hmm. novels, but most of the erotica short stories or books that I've read have been collections of little stories. Exactly. Or they are an overarching relationship of two people that are so messed up that mm-hmm. you don't even know what they're like in real life because they're just having sex the whole time. Yes. And this is not it. That's not erotica. What E.L. James is trying to do with these characters, she's trying yeah. to build characters and erotica doesn't build characters. No, erotica builds other things. Right. Orgasms, mainly. That's the one. <laughs> um, so I think this is a great start so far in yes. this book. And it's um, and when I say great start, I mean great start to picking it apart and discussing yes. it. and tearing everything. Tearing everything down. Um, and essentially it's... creating a new culture around it because yes. we need to tell people they need to stop calling this book erotica. 
Exactly, because it's really not. And I think that um, we talked earlier about romance novels and just, like, people being ashamed of them and people reading a lot more erotica, or romance novels, rather, on their their devices, Mm -hmm. Kindles and all of that. And I think I... I'm sorry. It's okay. This is... uh, This was terrible. (laughs) No, I can edit this part out. (laughs) I think you should. Okay. Um, what was... What... Get us back on track. Okay, so... (laughs) The point of this is, is that we're looking at this romance novel that has hit it big, right? Yeah. And very few romance novels have hit it big. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, mainly Nicholas Sparks is the one that comes to mind. Um, but... The, pro- the difference between Nicholas Sparks and, I think, Fifty Shades of Grey is that you get the element of the main, the main focus mm-hmm. of the relationship between the two characters is sex, as opposed to the relationship. Exactly. So that's where, that's where it comes down to whether it's being erotica or just a romance novel. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we'll talk about the difference between erotica and romance novel next time I'll... I'll Give some delve, examples. Delve more into delve that. Delve more into that and give mm-hmm. some examples and stuff. I'll probably end up editing a lot of this out. I'm so sorry. Uh, but no, 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 just because we talked so much about random things. But this is yes. exactly what I wanted to do as far as discussion goes. Now, before we go into recommendations, I do have new romance books that are out, and this is from Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon has uh, probably the most extensive list of romance novels out there mainly because they do a lot of self-publishing and Mm -hmm. most of the self-publishing books are romance novels. Um, so the few new books that are out, Diana, uh, Gabaldon, she's been around for a Mm -hmm. long time, uh, written in my own heart's blood is out, um, in hardback on Amazon. If you're looking to get into it, also you can get the ebook as well. Most likely people will get the ebook. Um, Jane Ivanovich, top secret, 21, a Stephanie, uh, plume novel, plum novel. I don't know how to say that. Um, Jane Ivanovich, she's very popular. I know Mm -hmm. she's written several books. And also the main one that I wanted to point out to everybody today is Stormy Persuasion by Johanna Lindsay. And I have one of her books that I actually plan on, um, reading later in the podcast. Um, it's a Scottish Viking novel that I definitely want to read. (laughs) Um, But she has a new book out, also in hardcover, and Kindle edition on Amazon. So if you want to go check that out, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. So now we're going to go to recommendations. I'll do my recommendations of the week, and then I'm going to let you end with your recommendations. My recommendations for this week, my new favorite graphic novel series, it's... um, it's not a novel, it's not a romance novel, but it is a graphic novel, and it's awesome. It's called Sex Criminals, Volume 1 by Matt Fraction. It's an awesome book. I highly recommend it, even if you're not into um, graphic novels, if you're into romance. Essentially, the premise of it is there's this uh, girl. She um, starts uh, exploring her sexual persona, hmm. and she realizes that she has this power that when she orgasms, she stops time. 
Wow, that's really right? cool. And so when she has her first sexual encounter, she realizes it's not exactly, you know, not everybody has this power. Um, and then there's, um, she meets this guy, they go home, and they have sex, and they realize that they have the same power. And so they do what every other couple would do who stops time when they're having sex. They start robbing banks. And that's the that's volume one of Sex Criminals. That's so great. It's super funny. It's really got a great voice and a lovely art. The art is actually really beautiful and interesting. I love books for their art. Mm-hmm. Um, so go check it out. That's Sex Criminals, Volume 1 by Matt Fraction. My second recommendation, and I'm sorry I stole this from you. No, it's okay. Soulless by Gail Carringer. Yeah, she's so good. probably one of my favorite authors mm-hmm. of all time. Solace is her first book in the Parasol Protectorate series. It follows Alexia Terabati, who is a 25, 26-year-old spinster in Victorian England, um, who is a solace or a preternatural. Essentially, she's living in Victorian England when werewolves and vampires and supernatural creatures exist, and she has a power to negate their supernatural ability. So when she touches them... They stop being supernatural. And she meets an earl, the Earl of Woosley, who is a werewolf. And they have some steamy encounters, um, but most of the sex that they end up having in the book is fade to black. So if you're not into the real sexy stuff, this is a great book to start out with because the story is amazing. And it's all about the characters. Like right. that's And it's, so, it's just, it's such a good book. Right. There's this element of mystery, and you're finding things out about this, you know, underground stuff, and the, the queen of the vampires, and the queen of England, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff is coming together. It's so good. You've read it, so yes. you definitely recommend it as well, it's, right? It's a very good book. Yeah. The whole series is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, those are my two recommendations. So I'll make sure to put those in the show notes as well. So Virginia, go ahead and give us your Okay. Well, I have kind of more author recommendations okay. than just, um, specific novels. Um, these are my like guilty pleasure, uh, reads. I really, and I mean, I know everybody has probably read one of these books and everybody's <laughs> a little bit ashamed to talk about it, but Nicholas Sparks, I love Nicholas Sparks novels just like like a summer. You can read it in a day. If you have a, a long weekend and you're not doing anything and it's raining outside, pick up a Nicholas Sparks novel and read it. I, partic- I particularly like uh, The Notebook. It's really, really good. And if you've seen the movie, it's totally different. All of his movie adaptations are so, so, so different from the original stories from the books. So you're really not going to get the same experience that you would from the movie. I really like the movies, but I also really like the books a lot better because the characters are just so much more in depth and it's just, it's a really good read. And then, um, Sandra Brown is a really good author for kind of that intrigue and, um, like danger kind of a romance novel like there's always one female character who's a really strong female character which i think not a whole ton of romance novels have really powerful strong women in them i think it's more like trying to figure out you know what they're doing and who they are and um her novels always have a really strong woman i'm gonna wrap it up so 
You have more ways to listen to this podcast. I just wanted to make that known. You can listen on podomatic.com, soundcloud.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. So please subscribe, listen, comment on all of those if you would. Also, there's more ways to discuss. Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Blogspot, and Gmail are all available through Doing It By The Book. If you're interested in asking Virginia questions, um, she is not on the internet. She no, is not. a ghost. But you can email me or comment on the blog, and I'll make sure that she uh, gets your comments and questions and uh, rulings of support. Um, I'm on all of those things, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, next episode is chap- is episode three, chapter two of Fifty Shades of Grey. So take a listen. That comes out on Thursday, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Doing It By The Book is written and produced by Jane Austere. Original music is composed and performed by Daniel Lott. For more information, check out DLO Games on YouTube. A disclaimer. DIBTB is a scholarly pursuit of literary criticism in romance novels. At its core, the podcast is purely educational and academic. I do not take ownership of the chapters or books read on the podcast, and they are completely the product of the author. Neither I nor any of the guest hosts receive any monetary compensation except donations or seek profit for our work or performance on this podcast. If you would like to hear more from DIBTB, you can follow me on Twitter at Jane Austere, email me at DIBTBpodcast at gmail.com, or check out my website, DIBTBpodcast.blogspot.com.